As we have been surveying the cross and we have talked about the blood and we'll talk about the cross itself this morning, I do not say that with any kind of disconnect, okay? There is no blood without the cross and there's no cross without the blood. And uh, I believe the message is, is not only for us as individuals, but I believe it's the message that we are to carry and to take to those who have not yet discovered. Many may have heard, but they have not discovered the wonders of, of the cross. And so therefore, for the, because they have not discovered, sometimes they don't draw near. They are distant. You know, they, it, is, it is not necessarily such an attractive thing to them because they don't understand the dynamics, the dynamics of it. And it's impossible to do in one setting, obviously. But, uh, you know, little by little, I think that we, we discover and participate in the full victory, you know, of the cross, notwithstanding knowing that in, even in our lack and even in our lack of understanding, God still fulfills his part of the, of the covenant, okay? So I'm not suggesting this morning that, that somehow it will not be active in your life. But when you see what is active in your life, you know what I mean? It's a whole new, you know, ball game, so to speak, you know? It is, it is like you're not a spectator, but you're a participator, okay? And so, uh, anyway, I want to thank our worship team. A great job, Amanda. And I just, and David, I just want to say, I, I'm watching your little son there as we were singing, you know? And he was singing all of those songs. It was just fantastic, you know? And, uh, you know, either knows them by heart or he can read one of the two. <laughs> But anyway, you, you see the impact of those things and those songs, you know, though they may not understand them in the depth that some can, uh, you know what I mean? I believe there is an impartation of the spirit that, uh, you know, has an effect. Amen. So anyway, thank you, worship team this morning. Father, bless us today. As you already have, we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Um, the tailgate party, uh, whoever wins today in the Viking Packer game, uh, well, yeah, anyway, <laughs> I'll leave that one. You are my friends. <laughs> Oh, anyway, all right, we got some scripture verses this morning that uh, uh, to just kind of draw our thoughts from this today. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that is the cross, that we, having died to sins, might live for 
righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How many know you're not going to get away from your flesh? There's some passions that the cross wants to deal with. Okay, but be happy you've got some flesh. You wouldn't have any kind of vehicle of expression if it wasn't for your flesh. Both spiritually and naturally. Rightfully and wrongfully. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Don't you love that? Old man. It's the only time you get to use old man. All right? You don't call people. It's the old man. No. You're the old man. (laughs) Well, enough said. That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Thank you. Last week I told you just in the opening that the cross is God's reclamation decree. It is the fact that the barrier of sin is down. He's removed the curtain of separation that prevented from entering his presence and he has placed a welcome mat in its place. It is the voice of divine victory. It is more than a painting or a photograph. It is a voice. It is a declaration. Divine victory. It's the ultimate turning of tables. It's the roadmap of redemption. And it's the new vision of, of hope. Thank you, Lord. Before I, as I get started, I want you to know that I believe fully in the blessing of the Lord. I believe in the, the, the abundance of God for our lives. But to make just a slight, you know, correction within relationship to a, a, a theme or a stream that sometimes has tilted a little too far that almost comes across as saying that Jesus was soaked in blood so that you could soak in a jacuzzi is not upright. No. We read it. Why did he die? Shed his blood for our sins 
and for righteousness. And in the covenant, there are amazing blessings, but he did not die so you could soak in a jacuzzi. He died so you could get set free from the dominance of a disposition or the nature that is locked into sin. Sinning. Jesus Jesus, he who knew no sin In other words, that word there, sin, means he had no disposition to sin. He he did not have a a quality or a mind, uh, you know, to do those things. And so the work of Christ and the cross is to, you know, give us that disposition that we don't, you know, want to sin, we want to live to righteous, righteousness. Yes. We talked about the blood and understanding that the blood deals with my sin. It deals with my sin. I have sin, I have uh, you know, committed sins, and the blood is a washing and a covering. It is a removal. The, Christ, the blood of Christ is a removal. But the cross, the cross deals with the sin producing factory. The sin-producing factory. Yes. So, it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives, lives in me. It deals with that disposition to, of sin. Not just the sinning. All right? Because you can have something, you know, taken away off your record, but if you haven't had a transformation or a change from what was causing or producing the previous record, you're likely to do and produce that type of thing or record again. So we would ask the question, what is a crucified life? Well, a crucified life is simply the surrender of your self-will. It is the surrender of the passions of the flesh. It is, it is a declaration of, of uh, 
surrender and obedience. The cross is the last demand of regarding Christ of obedience. He has lived, he has done, he has obeyed, but all of a sudden the cross is the last demand of obedience. And when he did that, then the Holy Spirit, power of the eternal God, you know what I mean, set in motion everything that happened there, thereafter. You get to catch it now. That in the cross or in your crucifixion, it is a, you know, a last demand, so to speak, of obedience, of surrender, of surrender. And then there, of course, there is an empowerment that happens as a result of that. First John 3.16 says, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. Of course, that is a relationship thing. But, you know, there is a, is a love motivation of surrender. Christ bore our sin He took our curse, our death, and our alienation. He did. That's what the cross is about, is God stepping in, bearing our sin, our curse, our death, and our alienation. Remember Jesus also experienced alienation, death. It says he took the curse and he bore our sin. The tree of life, the tree of life, which we see in Genesis, you know, we see in the book of Revelations and who is, of course, Christ, the tree of life, It's a tree of righteousness, it's a tree of healing, it's a tree of life, and a tree of reconciliation. The cross, the tree of life. Hallelujah. The cross is not a tree of death. For you, it is a tree of life. The cross is the tree upon which the Lord hung where the wounds in his hands, his feet, and his side healed the wounds of sin that the serpent has inflicted in people's lives. The cross is the divine mercy and divine justice. The cross is, the cross requires, 
another person's help. The cross is not suicide. It by and large is the only means of death that requires another person's help. That's why I am crucified with Christ. It is the activity of God. It is the assistance of God. It is the help of God. So that we might live a life that is not passion of the flesh driven, but spirit of the life infused. Amen? Praise God, absolutely. The cross, the cross. In that tree of life in Jesus, before Jesus, we are something created by God. But because of Jesus Christ and the tree of life, we become something that is born of God. Hallelujah. That which has been born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Jesus Christ, the tree of life, is that connection with him. We become something that's been born of God and not just created of God. And then you can run that down, of course, and what that would mean just in a practical, natural sense. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain. I've been cleansed by his blood. Joint heirs with Jesus while I travel this sod. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family, the family of God. That's what born again is about. Is you're not just staying in someone created by God. You are becoming someone who is born of God. Give the Lord a praise this morning. Hallelujah. That's why he told Nicodemus and John, you know what I mean? He says, you've got to be born again. What's this about? It's about being born of God. And when you get born again, he said, you not only can enter the kingdom, but you can see the kingdom. There is a whole new illumination and insight that begins to infuse and come into your, your perspective. And you begin to see things, you know what I mean, from a hilltop rather than just from the valleys. Oh, yes. Praise the name of Jesus. So it's a tree of life. In the cross, Jesus is clothing you. 
Isaiah 61 and 10 says this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. When you look at me this morning, you know, by the way, this is a my suit that I purchased for Mark's wedding. Okay, so <laughs> whole outfit fact is accepted, you know. But it's nothing in compared to the clothing that God clothes you with and me with because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Close me with the robe of righteousness. Yes. Amen. We can rejoice that he is clothing you and he has planned for divine blessing. It is the cross where death was slain and Adam is restored to life. For as in Adam all die in Christ, they shall be made alive. How many feel alive? (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, yes, your outward man has its difficult days. And when the years continue to run upon it, you know what I mean? You feel the effects of it. But though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. It was that perspective that seemed to give the Apostle Paul such a zest for life and the gospel uh, in the midst of storms, you know, or in the midst of paradise. Wasn't that... The setting so much as it was who we was in Christ Jesus. As we watch all and hear about and all of the, the, the seemingly you know, uh, uh, disorder that not only happens in the kingdom of men, but even in the kingdom of weather. Bible says that the cross, it guarantees the restoration of nature's orders. It groans and travails, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Yes, it is not yet, but it shall be. Praise the name of the Lord. Acts chapter 3, verse 21 says, The heavens must receive him, that is Christ, until the restoration of all things. The cross guarantees future life. This is sin into the world through one man. Even so, righteousness, you know, came to all men. The cross ensures that sin shall not have dominion over you as a believer. 
Romans 6 and 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. It's amazing that what that means is he's not putting really any demands upon you. He's empowering you. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor. We're going to get loose living. Not with grace. Not with divine grace. Not with true grace. The law put a demand upon us. Grace empowered us. And grace always empowers to the God way. He whom the sun sets free is free in deed. Yes. The resurrection opened up the road that was blocked to former blessings and made it smooth. Isaiah 43 and 25 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Fresh starts. Lamentation says this, you know what I mean? That his mercies are new every morning. It would be good if we started our day with that. It would be easier for you to get up. It'd have a little more inspiration. What is on the agenda of God for my life today? Absolutely. His mercies are new every morning. The cross opened the gates of paradise. He said to the thief, This day you shall be with me in paradise. Open it up. The cross causes our nature to be seated at the right hand of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Be not shackled by what you were. Be lifted up by who you are and what you are. Yes, the cross. There's so many things about the cross. The work of the cross. I am crucified with Christ. I want to, this morning, 
put together, if I can, at the end of this, the benefits and the, the, the role that God plays in your salvation and the covenant that he has made with you. Now, you'll not remember them, and they're not necessarily in this, need to be in the same order, but you'll get a glimpse of the work of God in Christ Jesus that had been foreshadowed in the Old Testament in virtually every covenant that was made. It contained nine parts or nine steps. The first one was the exchange of robes. To the Hebrew, the robe represented the person himself. This is what God is doing, and I will eventually show you the New Testament scriptures. There is an exchange of coats or robes, or the person himself, wherein he is offering himself, even his very life. And then in the covenant, there was the taking off of their belt and offering it to the other person. It's that girdle. It's that, that belt that held the sword, the knife, the fighting instruments. And when you did that, you were saying to that person that you were offering him your protection. He is saying, if someone attacks you, he has to deal with me also. He was saying that your battles are my battles. Then there was what was known as cutting the covenant. And this was when an animal was killed and split down the middle. You remember it with Abraham. And the two parties to the covenant would pass between the two halves. And there was a saying that said, may God do so to me and more if I break the covenant. This is the blood covenant and it cannot be broken. Oh, hallelujah. The fourth thing is that he would raise the right arm and cut the palm of the hand and clasp each other's hand and mingle the blood. And it was signifying that we are becoming one with each other. It was to intermingle the life of both people. The cross. And then there was the exchange of names where each one would take part of the other's name and incorporate it into their own. And then there was the making of the scar or the identifying mark. And it was an outward evidence of a covenant. And then there was the giving of the terms of the covenant. And it was stated that everything I have is yours and everything you have is mine. Oh, church. 
And then, of course, there was the eating of the memorial meal. It's when they would take the wine and the symbol of the blood and and they had a meal together. And then there was the planting of a memorial tree. And it was a memorial, standing memorial covenant of what is what had just went on. And when you walk through the life of Abraham, you will see that. Okay, and we don't have time to do that, but let me try to just bring this, you know, as an encouragement. The exchange of coats and robes. He came clothed in righteousness and holiness. We came clothed in sin and unrighteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin to, to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. He takes the sins upon him and we take his holiness for ours. What an amazing exchange. Too good to be true? Well, it is true. It is true. When he took the belt off to protect us and provide us with protection, it says in Luke chapter 10, Behold, I give you authority to tread upon the serpents, the scorpions, and the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. Take up the full armor of God. And you remember it in Ephesians chapter 6 there, the helmet of salvation. Then there was the cutting of the covenant. Hebrews chapter 4, for by one offering... He has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit bears witness for us after saying, this is the covenant I will make with them. And after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws upon their heart and their mind, and I will write them and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Now, where there is forgiveness for these things, there's no longer any offering for sin. He covered it all. He covered it all. He made a covenant. I'm going to ask my musicians to come as we bring this to. Jesus was not only making a covenant of promised activity in your life. He was the sacrificial lamb. For it is God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure.
Yes. Is God's doing, and it's marvelous in his eyes, the prophet wrote. By one offering. And then the raising of the right arm and the mixing of the blood. Jesus was both man and God, both holy and human. Our lives are forever mingled with his. Forever mingled with his. And then there was the exchange of names. That's why he took upon himself the son of man. He's not just the son of God. He became the son of man to exchange names. Yes. We are forever in the family of God. Give the Lord a praise this morning. Oh, church. Yes. Exchange of names. And then there was the making of the scar, and you know the story so well. The scars in his hands and his side and his feet. While we do not have a scar that is placed in our physical body, there is a scar of circumcision. Romans chapter 2 verse 29 says he is not a Jew who was one inwardly, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that which is of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter, and is his praise, not of men, but of God. There is a mark of validity. You may not see it, but God sees it. He's made a commitment, a covenant. And he's went through all of these nine steps in the work of the cross to bring the covenant to mankind and to enlighten them about the wonders of his work on your and mine behalf. And he gave the covenant terms, of course. It is our responsibility to discover the covenant terms. It is. To read, to absorb, you know, and to apply the covenant 
terms. Did you know that God is a God of gates and doors? He's a God of gates and doors. And the, through each gate, through each door, there is, you know, some covenant benefits that are yours and that are mine on a regular, daily, in life basis. Something that we do on a regular basis here is we eat the memorial meal. Then, of course, we continue to look to the memorial tree, which is the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. As you survey the cross, as you survey the blood that flows, the sacrifice that was made, the work that was going on, there was a handiwork of the Lord. He brought you into himself on the cross. I am crucified with Christ. Oh, hallelujah. The old disposition, the old self-will. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, you know, and recognizes, though, that, you know what I mean? We need to grasp it. We need to understand it. Wrecking yourselves, therefore, dead unto sin, but alive unto God. Death has never been the ultimate or the end of what the cross is about. It's life. It's life. Death is just, you know, part of the process of getting to life. The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Grace is God reaching out to us. Faith is us reaching out to God, stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Do we have a song? Praise God about that, that just would exemplify the life-giving cross of, of Christ. Absolutely. The life-giving cross. I know it's deep and it's complicated, but if you can get captured just a little bit of it, because see, the snake is trying to steal your stake. He's trying to steal your stake. The enemy comes but to steal, to kill, you know, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Absolutely. There are three things that Jesus gives to you this morning for the victory in your life. That's the blood. 
That's the cross. And it's the name of Jesus. And when you stand in the blood, and when you stand connected to the cross, there is dynamic power in the name of Jesus. Absolutely. It was the sons of Sceva that found out that you just can't use the name of Jesus. You have to be rooted in the blood, anchored in the cross. Because when they met that demon and those demons and they said, the Lord rebuke you, they responded and says, who are you? There's no record of you. There's no identity of you. There is no power over in covering you. You're not in the blood, nor you are connected to the cross. But hallelujah, the apostle Paul, who was under the blood and connected to the cross, went ahead and said, in the name of Jesus Christ. And there was an authority that released in the devil that was trying to steal their stake, had to be removed from the setting because the blood covenant and the cross work actually works give the Lord a praise let's sing it again this morning oh yes church amen amen he died for your sins he rose for your justification the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 there are so many gifts and presents under this tree we just need to start opening them up it says a present that is there there is the present of justification hallelujah you are not going to be penalized for your sins when you're under the blood hallelujah he says there is peace under the tree there is access to God there is hope there is love there is Holy Spirit there's deliverance from wrath and there is joy all all under the tree of the cross today amen hallelujah listen church you know God wants you to have just a tremendous victory and you know what I mean in your conflict you know and that in in Romans says it's it's about triumph you know but you know the tree was never set or meant to be eaten of just once it is meant to be eaten of regularly regularly the tree in Eden, the tree in Revelations, you know what I mean? It's there to go ahead and partake of on a regular basis. And Jesus said this. He said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood. He said, you can't have that abundant life flowing in you. Constantly go back. Constantly come back. You know what I mean? To what I've done. Praise God. Constantly discover. You know what I mean? The value and the worth and the covenant that I have with you. Can you believe God's working in you? I mean, you know what I mean? And, and, and he's just not, you know, sometimes I think he's just trying to chop off the bad parts off. No. No. Praise the Lord. 
He's putting all the good parts in too. Absolutely, all the good parts in. So Father, thank you today. Thank you today. God, I pray for a new liberty. Lord, towards your righteousness, new liberty, God, of toward the freedom and the, the abundance that Christ has afforded for us and what work he has done. God, we draw near to you all because, Lord Jesus, there is a welcome mat in front of you this morning and at your throne in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Love one another. Go with God. God and come out Wednesday night. Thank you, Lord.